Malachi 3.10. Is this all you have of it? Because there we go. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Everybody write that word down. The first thing you want is meat. Say it, meat. Prove me now herewith. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house. Why does the tithe have anything to do with the meat? What is the meat? Okay, wonderful. What is the meat? The word. Revelation, knowledge of the word. Is that right? So bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be revelation knowledge in my house of my word. Now wait, now wait a minute. All right, all right. Because we got everybody say we're going back to meat. We're going, say, we're going back to meat. If you get anything out of tonight, you're going to get meat. Are you with me? You're going to understand meat. Now, now watch. Somehow or another, bringing the tithe into the storehouse has to do with whether or not there is revelation knowledge in the house. Now, now, again, everybody go like this. Take your hand and just go like this and say, he's not talking about my money. The money is nothing but a means to an end. I'm going to get way ahead of myself. The money is a moral choice. A moral choice which transforms innocence into holiness. Holiness becomes power. The reason that God instituted the tithe has absolutely nothing to do with money. God does not need money. We have misconstrued the latter part of the verse to say, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and prove me, and that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will not watch, open the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing there shall not be room enough to receive it. The blessing is not just money. I, I told you last week what blessing means. Blessing means, watch, somebody that remembers, tell me. Empowered shall power. Empowered through 
revelation knowledge to prosper. That's what the blessing is. Does it have to do with my finances? Certainly. But he tells you what it has to do with. It has to do with positioning yourself underneath an open heaven. want to live under an open heaven? Do you want the blessing of sonship? Or do you just want to go to church? Because you feel guilty if you don't. And then when you get cancer, call for all the elders and hope, you know, you don't really have faith, but you hope you don't die. You want to live under an open heaven? Or do you just want to be a nominal Christian? that commits sin and asks for forgiveness and then commits the same sin and asks for forgiveness and then commits the same sin and asks for What kind of person do you want to be? Do you want to be a son of God? Do you want to live as Jesus did when he reached the age of maturity? Do you want to hear... See the heavens opened and a voice speak out of heaven and the Holy Spirit descend upon your life. And do you want to hear God say, this is my son, not my birth son, not my technon, my wheel, my H-U-I-O-S, this is my son who is not only born of me but through the process of maturity has literally adopted my character which is then displayed through his characteristics in the earth I don't know what you want to be so I don't know what you want to be I don't know if you want just your Christianity to be an appendage to your life or whether you want your relationship with God to dominate everything in your life Holy Ghost told me he said if you get a few of them it don't take many of them but if you just get a few of them to break through how do you break through a sudden burst of revelation knowledge that propels you through every line of Satan's defense. That's living under an open heaven. Holy Ghost said it to me this way. He said, I'm going to do in the new covenant on the earth today what I did as a symbol in the old covenant. I said, what you're talking about, Holy Ghost? Talk on. He said, I'm talking about it is going to be as though they are in the nighttime of their human experience living underneath a pillar of fire. And in the daytime... They're going to be living under a pillar 
of cloud the cloud the glory what God stepped out of and showed Moses his hinder parts I'm not talking about when the ham and organs working just right and when the choir's super powered and when the program's always new I'm not talking about you getting whipped into some emotional kind of fury I'm talking about when you're between the frozen peas and carrots you are literally under an open heaven Everybody claps and whoops and shouts and says, I want that, till you find out what it costs. Okay, you said you wanted it. That I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. What is a blessing? Empowerment through revelation knowledge to prosper. And there shall not be room enough to receive the glory that you will not get into, but that you will abide in. The peace that you will abide in. Whatever's in heaven, thy will be done on earth. The open heaven means the peace of heaven constantly consistently available in your life whatever's in heaven opens to you now back to the previous part of the verse bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse what's a tithe okay 10% of the sanctified gross income so in other words, God gives you 100%, right? Again, I'm not talking about your money. I'm not receiving an offering. I'm trying to bring you to the position where you can start to think about going into maturity. The reason for the tithe is no different than the reason for the tree. I'm going to slow down with you. The reason for the tithe is no different than the reason for the tree. To place before you, when you are in a state of innocence, the opportunity to make a moral decision will i do what i want to do what my body wants to do what my mind wants to do what my wife says out or am i going to choose the word of god that's all you think god needs your 10 percent? do you think god needed the apple or whatever kind of fruit it was on that tree in the middle of the garden it's the same thing when we are born again, we come into... I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to slow down now. I'm going to slow down now. So if I make a proper choice faced with a moral decision, forget that it's 10%, forget that it's a tithe. Just you, call it the tree. When you're faced with the tree, when you're faced with the tithe, when you're faced with the opportunity to get angry, 
Or when you're faced with the opportunity to clicking through the internet and the pop-up comes on and you can plop on that and, and watch the pornography and then ask God for forgiveness. Faced with that moral choice, will you pop to see the pornography or will you pop away from the pornography? When you are faced with the opportunity and a, and a person gives you change for a 20 when all you gave them was a 10, you are faced with a moral choice. God said, if you will make the right decision faced with that moral choice it will produce meat it will produce revelation knowledge of his word that will then change innocence into holiness meaning purity and produce power in your life every time god says say no and you say no you become more holy you don't become more holy because you put your sleeve down over your wrist that didn't make you holy because for all we know in your mind you're committing adultery every night in your bed with covers up around your eyeballs oh i'm gonna get into some stuff tonight come on now you want to or not all right so okay okay you, i think you got that part you got that part blessing nothing broken blessing say it these blessings are pronounced only upon a son or a daughter. They're not pronounced on everybody. I don't have the time to go back three weeks with you. Let me ask you the question again. Who's your daddy? I asked a whole lot of people this morning who their daddy was. Told them I was going to be teaching all night tonight. Get in here at 7 o'clock. Are they here? No, they're watching the NBA playoffs. So who's their daddy? Don't just nod your head about them. Where were you this morning? Faced with a moral choice. A word from God. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, even the more so as you see that day approaching. That's a word from God. God, not Rod. God. And so when it's the afternoon and Sunday afternoon and you're running down your list of things that you want to do because God's demanded so much from you this week. Most of you spent more time curling your hair than in your Bible. Way more time feeding your natural man than your spiritual man. And then on Sunday afternoon, you're running through your list of all the things you'd like to do. And maybe way down there somewhere, go to church. Not go to church because I'm hungry for God. Go to church to show my new outfit. Go to church to see my friend. Go to church so I can do something after church. Why are you so quiet? You said you wanted to go on to maturity. Now, I can get up here all, all night long. You want to go on to maturity. You want to live under an open heaven. 
Well, you've been getting all that other stuff. Are you under an open heaven? It's quiet. It's quiet. Shall we go on? Okay, are you, are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? A father is one who, Brother Elder Canfield shared it this morning, one who provides for his own house through foreknowledge. That's a father. And I'm here to tell you God has a plan for you. <laughs> yes, he does. This inheritance that I speak of is already there. These are all things we've already tracked through. I'm just, I'm just refreshing you a little bit. Luke 3, 21, three things happen when heaven is open. Somebody tell me what they are. Number one, the Holy Ghost descends upon you. Number two, God's voice is heard. And he says, number three, he pronounces the blessing of sonship upon you. Are you ready for that blessing? Are you? Okay, let's move on. John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light or the energy of man. The question that I pose to you is why, Jesus, why did Jesus live 33 years? How many years was the ministry of Jesus from the time he was baptized of John in the Jordan River until he was resurrected from the dead? Does anybody know? How long? Huh? Three and a half years. So for 30 years, God unbosoms a part of his very own being, looks at it, calls it his son, sends it to the earth, makes him burst through the bloody flanks of a 14-year-old virgin girl, be born in a manger while angels sang happy birthday, and shepherds showed up to see if it was true. And we, we, we got the Christmas story, and we fast forward to Jesus being baptized of John in Jordan, and then we fast forward to Calvary and the resurrection and the ascension. My dear brother and sister, what happened for 30 years? Thirty years. Watch this. The three years were a tithe on the thirty years. You tracking with me? Shout meat! The reason was to show us what a normal man after God's created order was like. What a normal man in God's created order was really like. During those silent 30 years, your Bible says that Jesus was born into the earth through the virgin. Is that right? Does it or not? All right. John... Chapter 3 says, marvel not that I say unto you that you must be what? Born again. What happens when you are born again? It's very simple. You, you become perfectly adjusted to God. At that point, you become righteous, but you are not holy. At that point, when you're born again, you become righteous. 
You are in right standing, right fellowship with God. You have been perfectly adjusted to God. You have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You have been purchased back. You now stand before God as Adam and Eve did in the garden before they sinned. But for some folk, you ought to shoot them right then. Because that's the closest they're ever going to get to maturity. That's the closest they're ever going to get to power. That's the closest they're ever going to get to, 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 to victory and dominion. Just do it. Okay, you're saved. Yes, I confess to Jesus as Lord. Okay. And just let them go to heaven right then. Right? Because we must never mistake the sovereign act of God in salvation or sanctification as a one-time event. Our vernacular is wrong. You were not saved. That's the reason Jesus came in the fullness of time when the Greeks had six verb tenses. We only have three. Saved is in the in the past. The Greeks didn't use that kind of verb. We say you were saved. The best way for me to describe for you what they said is, I am on the continuum of being saved. Because just because you were don't mean you is. And just because you is don't mean you will be. Because you are not saved or sanctified once and for all. You are saved or sanctified to begin the journey. You are saved or sanctified not once and for all, but once and for all ways. That's the way. The reason he said, as to, to as many as would receive him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God. You can't become until you be. So you got to be first. Touch somebody and say, you got to be. You got to be. In other words, you are a birth son. But you have not gone on to holiness. That's the reason, that's the reason we, you know, we get a little tap on the head and we give somebody a courtesy drop and we fall on the floor and we get up and we think, okay, that was it. That was, that's what God had for me. No, no, no. That's a beginning. I, I can't go there. I went down that road with you once. I can't, I can't go there. The sovereign acts of God are not final, they are beginnings. Can you say yes? yes. In Genesis 1.28, God gave Adam dominion, did he not? Over the birds of the air, over the fish of the sea, over everything that creepeth upon the earth. What's the only thing God did not give him dominion over? Oh, you're so good. What's the only thing? What's the only thing? Okay, 20 minutes is up and I'm not even to where I wanted to start tonight. I've been reviewing too much with you. Okay, here, here. Slow down. Okay. What's the only thing God didn't give him dominion over? I wish I had the 45 minutes I took last Sunday night to share with you what that means. Sin. Say it, sin. Separates you from God, eternity in hell, hell to go to hell in sin. Still real, still relevant. Sin is simply 
my claim to my right to myself. My claim to my right to myself. I will, I will, I will, I want, I want, I want, I have a desire. This is the wife I want. That's the husband I want. This is where I want to go. This is where I want to go to church. This is what I want to wear. This is what I want to drive. This is who I want to be. This is when I want to pray. More often, this is when I don't want to pray. This is when I want to do what's right in my own mind. My right to my will to myself. Because the only thing that God did not give man dominion over was himself. Humanity is supposed to be submitted under the lordship of Christ. Can you say yes? yes? To as many as would receive him, to them he gave that power. Spiritual subordination is when we do not bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You have been given the power to sacrifice your natural life to the will of God. Are you with me? Now, you ready to go on to maturity? Okay, I don't know how much of this I'm going to be able to give you. But grab your Bible, turn to the Gospel of Luke. Turn to the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to go on. I spent too much time trying to catch you up. Luke, uh, chapter number two. Chapter number two. Let's read this passage and then let's come back to it. Are you ready? Luke chapter 2, we'll begin reading with verse 40, and we're going to go all the way through verse 52. 40 through 52. And the child grew. This is, this is, of course, speaking of Jesus in his infancy. He's now been born of the virgin, and he's now, the previous verse says, and when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. And the child Jesus grew, circle that word, and waxed strong in spirit, circle that word, filled with wisdom, circle that word, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. They lost him. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, when a day's journey... I got a sermon called Losing Jesus for a Day. I can't do that one right now. They, lo they lost him. They didn't lose him like you lose somebody in the supermarket and five minutes later realize what you've done. They traveled a whole day without the boy. 24 hours, they didn't know where he was. Watch this. And they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass after three days, so one day journey, 
probably a day back, now three days. Boy's been gone five days. They found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with years. He's 12 years old. He's astounding, Hannity and Combs. When they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Like it was the boy's fault. Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about, now the revised version says, do you not understand that I must be in my father's house? I'm just going to parenthetically insert here just to get your wheels turning a little bit, and then we'll come back to it. Who told him that was his father's house? He's a 12-year-old child. Going to a feast day, going to a party with his parents, ends up in the temple and makes this astonishing statement. He's not worried. He's not nervous. He's not wringing his hands. He's not wondering where his parents are. In fact, he's surprised, watch me, that they don't know what he knows. He can't believe that they don't understand that he's got to be in his father's house. Remember, this, this is the one that we're tracking with to see if we can follow him so that we can get where he was under an open heaven. Are you tracking with me? Okay. All right. And they understood not the saying which he spake on. Even after he told them, they didn't understand. And they were much older than him. But he was much more mature than them. You miss me. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus, watch this, dear God. And Jesus increased in wisdom, circle it, and in stature, circle it, and in favor, circle it, with God, circle it, and with men. Some of you have been in the church 40 years, and you have yet to increase in wisdom. You have yet to increase in stature. And you have you running around to every prosperity seminar and every TV preacher and every cliche preacher talking to you about destiny and getting in your destiny and looking for your destiny. How come ain't nobody told you how to get in your destiny and what your destiny was? And how come if they're preaching so good, ain't nobody ever gets in their destiny? How come they never have a service day? We're all in our destiny. We made it. Because they're just keeping that carrot out there in front of you to keep you coming back. You're not listening to me. They're not trying to encourage you into maturity. They want you to be dependent upon them. 
Can't get no help in here at all tonight. Woo! Increased in favor. How many services have you heard about favor? This is your, yeah, favor. <laughs> Favor's coming on you. Favor. Favor. Well, ain't nobody ever, ain't nobody ever preaches from here. They, they'll quote that verse all the time. Whoa, I'm increasing daily in favor, in wisdom, and in favor with God and men. Why? Why are you increasing in wisdom? Why are you increasing in favor? Why do you have more favor with God today than yesterday? Why do you have more favor with men today than yesterday? Why? You have to ask the question, why? And I'm just so glad to give you the answer. Are you ready? Luke 2.40. Luke 2.40. Turn over there. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. Simply says, and the child grew. Did you get it? Are, are you ready, elder? If we're created in the image of God, and we are, God is how many parts agreeing in one? Three. They are? Come on, you can talk. Does the devil have your tongue? Talk. A father a, and a Holy Ghost. If you're made in his image, then you have three parts. They are what? Spirit, soul, and body. Are you ready to go to maturity? Watch this. The first thing that I just shared with you is what? And the child grew. That's the body. That's the body. In infancy, watch me, all you care about is your body. Getting your body what it wants. Fixing your body's hair the way you want your body's hair. Putting the clothes on your body you want. Getting your body the house you want to live in. Getting your body the car you want to drive. Man is a spirit. He lives in a body. He possesses a soul. When, when you return to the created state, when you are redeemed to the original state of affairs, your spirit becomes the king. Your soul becomes the servant. The soul is the mind, the will, the emotions. This is very important. Very important. Don't turn me off because you think you've heard this because you ain't heard this. And man, man is a spirit. Man lives in a body and he possesses a soul. So the spirit was created by God to be the king. The soul, the mind, will, and emotions were created by God to be the servant of the king. The body was created by God to be the slave to the servant to the king. But when man ate of the tree in the midst of the garden, he ate of the tree of the what? Knowledge of good and evil. Satan attacked man at the very point of God's dominion in his life. You didn't hear me. 
Satan attacked Adam at the very point of the dominion of God in his life. Hath God said, you shall surely die, you shall not surely die, but you shall be as God, knowing good from evil, right from wrong. Knowing, knowledge. Knowledge deals with what area of your three-part being? Your soul. Your soul is comprised of your mind, your will, and emotions. So here is in effect what happened. Man said, I choose for my spirit, which is the only part of my triune being that came directly from God. God formed man's body of the dust of the ground. God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, the spirit, and man became a living soul. The only part of your three-part being that came directly from God is your spirit. When, you, when, you, when, when Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he said to God, I no longer want my spirit that came directly from you to be the king. I replace the king with the servant. I want my mind, knowledge of good and evil, to now rule my three-part being. I drag my body along with my mind, my will, my emotions. And my body then becomes the servant to the king, my mind, and the spirit goes to the back of the line and becomes the slave of everything else. Now you want to take a checklist and tell me whether you are living today with your spirit as king or your soul as king. And then I'll tell you whether you are progressing to maturity or you are still a child. Look at Luke 2.52. Track with me now. Luke 2.52. And Jesus advanced in wisdom. That's the mind. When you progress from a child to a young man, you at least stop being led by your body and you start being led by your mind. There are three ways to get married, my pastor told me. Somebody told me they're going to get engaged. Well, okay. There are three ways to get married. First of all, there is the physical way. What's that? This body looks at that body and says, I can't keep my hands off that body. And then we begin to rationalize. Well, the Bible says it's better to marry than burn. So I'll go ahead and marry somebody that I lust not love because I can't keep my hands off of them. So this body marries that body, and that lasts about a year. Brother Summerall said till they chew around on each other's flesh and vomit it back out. Some of you are going to be like a dog chasing a car. You won't know what to do with it when you find it. A body says to a body, I love that body. I'm going to marry that body. Second way is to get married in your soul. People think alike. They have the same emotions. They have the same will. I want to do this. I want to live this way. I want to have this. And they get married. That lasts a little bit longer. The third way to get married is the way that virtually no one gets married, and that is the spirit. When two recreated spirits in the divine presence of God have a word from God that they're to spend the rest of their lives together. Those are the kind that last forever. Those are the kind that don't fight like Comanche Indians on the way to church on Sunday morning and then try to get in a choir and sing under an anointing. 
I'm not helping you this week, am I? I'm sorry. This is why. Now let's stop there at the soul for a moment. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your what? Your what? That you present your bodies. In other words, God's not going to do it for you. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed or made like this world, but be you transformed or differently made. How? By the renewing of your mind. Shout, I got to renew my mind. Here's, here's what it means. It means that Jesus grew to maturity over a 30-year period. It was a slow, steady progression to maturity. And that kind of a progression to maturity yields advancement as Jesus did in wisdom, stature, favor with God and men. If you want wisdom, if you want stature, if you want favor with God, if you want favor with men, it doesn't come by an emotional whirlwind experience where you see angels ascending and descending and somebody bops you on the head like little bunny foo-foo hopping through the forest, scooping up the weak ones and bopping them on the head and falling on the floor and bucking and shouting. That's not the way you advance. You advance steadily. You advance slowly. The servant is not better than his master. If this is the way Jesus got under an open heaven, under God, when are we going to realize there's only one way for us to get under an open heaven? Steadily, slowly, being in Wednesday night when your body says no, being in Sunday night when your mind screams, I want to watch the NBA playoffs, putting down your flesh, circumcising your, your heart, putting down your body, putting down your mind. Not gonna preach. Sorry. Okay. There's nothing more required but discipline of the mind, the will, the emotions, and the body by the word of God. Spiritual maturity is reached not in years. Oh God, hear me. I want to come back and preach all this. Spiritual maturity is reached not in years, but in obedience. To the will of God. If you want to mature quicker. They don't want to get under an open heaven. They want somebody to knock them in the head. Let me tell you. If it takes you 30 years to get under an open heaven. When you get under it. It will be worth it all. I promise you right now. One day living under an open heaven. You could accomplish more than in 30 years with the heavens closed. Shout I want it. Watch this. Oh God watch this. To mature quicker. I'm supposed to preach this but I'm not going to take time. Number one. You must obey. More often. And quicker. Without reason, you must obey. Now, in a minute, if I get there, I'm going to show you that it's not only God that you must obey. Jesus was not obeying the Father when his parents took that little switch and nettled his legs and said, where have you been? We're going back to Nazareth. He already showed them where he wanted to be. He wanted to be in his Father's house. But his 
natural mother and father looked at him and said, we're going to Nazareth. And for 18 years, he followed them away from what he wanted, away from what could be perceived as his blessing, away from what could be perceived as his right to obey. No other reason to obey his parents. When you get paid to be at work at your desk at eight o'clock in the morning and you're not there and you try to fake everybody out that you are there and have your secretary lie for you, you have a demon. You're a thief and a robber. I don't care how much you talk in tongues. You're a thief. You haven't gone on to maturity because you cannot obey the powers that, are, that you are supposed to be subject to. You young people, oh, I want the blessing of God. And your parents say, make your room. You were just faced with a moral choice. You choose God's way by becoming obedient, by humbling yourself. It will produce holiness in you, which will produce power for you, which will cause you to live under an open heaven. Or you can have your way. I would think a whole lot of you have had just about enough of that. I don't know. I'm just going to go home tonight. I can't. I can't. No, I, if I don't feel like I'm helping you, I don't want to. What's the first way to mature quicker? Obey when? More often and quicker. Secondly, learn to sacrifice your natural life to the will of God quicker and more often. The more you do it, the more powerful your life will become. Thirdly, and this, oh, I want to spend a whole lot of time here, but I'm just going to hit it, Elder, and I'm going to go real quick. Thirdly, stay clear of opinions that are not based in the Word as God has revealed it to you by His Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Those opinions, those little mm, eh, traditions that you hold on to hinder you. Now, I'm gonna, we're going to take a turn here, and I'm not sure you're ready for it, but we're going to go there anyway. Such opinions. You know, it's the kind of thing of, well, this is how it was revealed to me, and don't you be confusing me now with the facts. <laughs> they hinder you. Oh, we're not, we're not, we're, I, don't want, I don't want bricks. I want living stones. I don't want people living a life for Jesus Christ by being obedient to a bunch of written ordinances through a spirit of fear. I want living stones. I want people that that word goes into their life. It so transforms them because they have a heart after God that you don't have to tell them to pay their tithes. You'd, they, you'd have to break their legs to get them not to pay their tithes. You don't have to beg them to come to church. They have such a hunger for the things of God and know who they are in Christ and want to live under an open heaven and know that the word of God says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You would have to put a barbed wire fence around the church to keep them out. Give me somebody like that, and I'll guarantee you one thing. You won't be looking at the preacher and say he doesn't have enough power to lay hands on that person and watch them come out of a wheelchair. They'll be jumping out of wheelchairs when they drive on the property. 
You're not shouting now because I've transferred responsibility to you. And we live in a culture that doesn't want to take responsibility for anything. Every time somebody is wheeled in here and wheeled back out, every one of us ought to be ashamed of ourselves. Every one of us ought to say, God, it's me somewhere. I didn't pray. I didn't fast. I didn't believe. I didn't trust. I'm not under an open heaven. I'm not moving to maturity. can't handle this this is meat say meat okay you ready you ready those opinions those little chivalrous of traditions hinder your growth in grace and here's what they produce write this down elder they produce bitterness they produce unchristlikeness mainly they produce dogmaticism dogmatic I've heard people say well this is what we believe over here okay can you show me chapter and verse well 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 it's our standard it's your standard women ought not to cut their hair People ought not to wear makeup. People ought to wear their sleeves to their wrists. Men ought to cut their hair in such and so way. We ought to... Chapter and verse, please. No, it's our standard. Holiness unto the Lord. But now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. Now let's just talk about this. Now wait a minute. Now wait a minute. I am all for standards. You feel like you shouldn't cut your hair? Don't ever let a razor be put on it. You feel like before God that you should not do thus and so? Don't you ever under God do it. God lays a conviction on your heart. You live with that conviction. You make that covenant vow to God and you stand in it. But don't you dare ever point your finger at somebody else and make your word from God their word from God. Don't you dare. If our conscience condemns us not, then we have peace with God. God didn't make us for somebody to stand up here and tell us every single thing that we ought to do. I want to live in constant communion with the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to descend in my life. And I can tell you right now, if we will teach people to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, he won't need that, that husband of yours smoking no cigarettes, won't need a nagging wife if we can just loose him into the presence presence of the Holy Spirit let okay here no here 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 wind and Caesar tossing <laughs> lightning flashing out of dark throated storm clouds Jesus comes walking on the water Peter stands out on the bow of that boat Lord is it you yes Peter it's me if it's you Lord bid me come And Jesus said to Peter, come. And 
Peter walked out on that word, not on the water, on that word. And everybody looks at everybody else and says, why didn't John get out of the boat? He'd have drowned. It wasn't his word. We got a whole lot of folk drowning because people trying to put their word on somebody else. You just worry about the beam in your own eye and... Say, I want to grow up. One of the greatest quotes I ever heard was from the great Dr. Billy Graham. He was asked, over all these years of ministry, what's the greatest thing you've learned? He said, well, I'm not sure what the greatest thing I've learned is, but I do know this. The older I get, the less dogmatic I become. The less sure that I'm absolutely right and everybody else is wrong. You want to grow up? Children have to have fences. Children have to have laws. Children have to have boundaries. My mother never, never does, never does yell at me, Rodney, stop playing in the street. She never does. Somewhere along the line, I learned playing in the street's not a good thing. See, I was faced with moral choices. I didn't pay attention at one point, ran out into the middle of the street got hit by a speeding automobile that never hit its brakes at 45 miles an hour. I was knocked over a hundred feet in the air, turned three somersaults in the air and landed on the back of my neck on the pavement. They thought surely I was dead. I promise you from that point to this, nobody's had to convince me that playing in the streets not a good thing. See, I went on to maturity. But some of you one, everybody, you got to have your prayer life organized. you got to be told when to pray, how long to pray, what to pray. we got to organize your worship. we got to organize your witnessing. Oh, man, I'm wanting to give you some stuff. Luke 20, verse, Luke 2, verse 40 says that he waxed thirdly strong in spirit. So the body grew and then we see that the mind advanced in wisdom but we also see that the spirit waxed strong proverbs 18 14 the spirit of a man shall sustain all his infirmities natural men eat natural food spiritual men eat spiritual food that's the reason jesus said in john 6 63 the words that i say unto you they are spirit and they are life brother copeland told me once he said rod i was preaching in a great believers convention I looked out across that vast audience of thousands and he said it was the most horrible sight I'd ever seen. In an instant, they went from beautiful, well-dressed, rosy-cheeked humans with their hands lifted up worshiping. And the next thing I saw, I saw crumpled, eyes sunken back in their head. Some of them couldn't even get up off the floor. They were wasted away to nothing, more elbows and knees than anything else. And I said to God, what is that? And he said, that's what they look like in the spirit. Their flesh is fine, 
They spend a lot of time taking care of it. But their spirits, all they get is a warmed over meal 45 minutes on Sunday morning. Oh, it's quiet in here. Oh, it's so quiet in here. Oh, do I dare get into this? I, I just got to read. I got to read three passages to you, okay? Can we go through them real quick? Now, say I'm on my way to an open heaven. See, this is the problem when you, when you talk about maturity. When you talk about moving on in the things of God, everybody gets like, you mean I have to do that? Man, for the prize that is laid before you and open heaven throw your hands up and shout i want to live under an open heaven first corinthians 3 first corinthians 3 first corinthians 3 verse verses 1 through 3 say bread say meat watch this and i brethren could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal or fleshly, even as unto what? Babies. Babies in Christ. Please understand, this has nothing to do with how long you've been, quote, saved. It has to do with how proficient you've been at recognizing the will of God and obeying not only God, but those around you. with me I have fed you with milk welcome to the modern church I drove past I, I tell you you drive past these churches and the you know they they advertise their lack of spirituality it's you know the sign is you know come this Sunday and learn seven ways out of depression learn you know how to have a better home learn uh, how you can be a better you learn it's it's psychology and it's not even good psychology anybody can learn that just get the you know psychology 101 book from your local high school and we pass it off because the people are so carnal they don't know the difference if you bless their flesh, if you get them whipped up, and if the Hammond organ's screaming, and somebody's shouting, and somebody's running the aisle, they think they've been in the presence of God. So you just keep giving them more of that to keep them coming back. Because when you talk to them like this, they choke. Uh, this isn't hard saying who can hear it. Give us some more of that Cadillac in the driveway, please. Give us some more of that three points in a poem. Talk to our bodies. Make our bodies feel good. Jam us with that music! It's not even worship. It's just noise. I can tell you when you're in tune spiritually, two-thirds of the time, Two-thirds of the time, worship sounds like nothing more than clanking cymbals and somebody scraping their fingernails on a chalkboard. 
You're not listening to me. Do you want to go on? Okay. I would have given you what? No, it said I gave you milk. And not with meat, shout meat. meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. For you're still fleshly. For whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, are you not fleshly? Do you not continue to walk as mere men? Want another one? Okay, glad you asked. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For when the, ti- for when the time... You ought to be teachers. Now he's saying, you've been in this thing enough years, but you ought to be teachers. You have need that someone teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. You are become such as have need of milk, there it is again, and not strong meat, there it is again. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even though, even those, watch this now, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. Now you're seeing the spirit get back in control. You see, the problem was you thought you knew good from evil. You don't know good from evil. The only thing that knows good from evil is the Holy Spirit. And when you begin to get the meat of the word and the Holy Spirit starts to take dominion in your life, then you can begin to discern right from wrong. What does it mean? You're getting redeemed. Oh, God, do you understand? You didn't get redeemed. You can get redeemed in the next five minutes and then redeemed again three minutes from then and then redeemed again tomorrow and then redeemed again the next day, moving further and further and further away from your will, making moral choices according to the Word of God that then empower you by the spirit of holiness to know right from wrong, good from evil, and produce living under an open heaven. You got time for one more? Because this, this, you, this, you ready for a freak? Are you ready for a freak? Are you ready for a freak? John chapter 4. John chapter 4. We'll bring the thing full circle. I got through half a page of six pages of notes. So we're doing all right. Are you doing all right? Are you still breathing? You okay? John chapter 4, verse 30. Hmm. Jesus and his disciples now. Jesus and his disciples. Then they went out of the city, verse 30, chapter 4. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, watch this, I have meat to eat that you don't know anything about. Watch this. Therefore said the disciples one to another, well, who brought him something to eat? 
And Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Now you've come full circle. Go back to Malachi chapter 3. Come on. Back to Malachi chapter 3. Back to Malachi chapter 3. Back to Malachi chapter 3. Bring you all the tithe. Make a moral choice. I've given you my word. 10% of the sanctified gross income belongs to me. I'm giving you a tree in the middle of the garden. I'm giving you the opportunity to choose. I, I got I to I remind you of this. I'm giving you the opportunity to choose. Let me find it. Here it is. When you're born again, you are innocent, just like the first Adam. Innocence is the untried possibility of holiness. Innocence. The untried possibility of holiness. A thousand times a day, you are faced with the untried possibility of holiness. God presents a tree. God presents the tithe. God presents an opportunity for you to be angry and sin not. God presents all of these moral choices in front of you. I can tell the boy to take his hands off of me. I can go home. I can call my parents. I can make a thousand choices right now that will lead to me living under an open heaven. That will lead to me being blessed. What is blessed? The power, the empowering to prosper. I have an opportunity right now. What am I going to do? It's time to get up for church, but I'm so comfortable, and I've worked so hard this week. I know, it's, and it's cold outside. I'm faced with a choice. I'm faced with a choice. I'm in my car. Am I going to listen to some rock and roll rapper? Am I going to listen to somebody who spews out demonic lyrics, or am I going to just put on something? Well, may not be able to put on the worship music because they haven't been with God, so it just sounds like a bunch of clanking cymbals and, and sounding gong so maybe I'll just make melody in my own heart under the Lord I'm faced with a choice you see I'm faced with a, I can't get it through to you I'm faced with a million moral choices every day God puts them in front of me to try me to test me not with evil but with good the tree was not put placed there to tempt them with evil the tree was there to lead them to good to say no to make the right choice to make the moral choice and as they did as they resisted the evil holiness was produced out of their innocence which then released power in their lives am I confusing you that's meat that's meat that's not meat meat is if he says to shout I shout if he says to jump I jump if he says to wave, I wave. If he says to bow, I bow. If he says to worship, I worship. I have to first get myself in a position where I can see and hear him. And whatever he says to me, I do it. I do it quickly. I do it often. Rejoice. I rejoice give and I give shout and I shout pray and I pray forgive and I forgive forget and I forget never let it said be again and I never let it pass from my lips confess this and I say it about of my spirit with veracity and with anointing I declare the works of God whatever he says to me I do it Jesus lived under an open heaven because his meat 
was to do the will of him that sent him. So, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Faces you with a moral choice. When you make the right moral choice, there will be meat. What is he saying? The meat is produced by the act of obedience. Oh, Jesus. Jesus said, I'm obedient to the Father. That's the reason I say to blind Bartimaeus, black eyes, see, and they see, because I do the will of him that sent me. That's the reason I walk out on the water and I don't drown, because I do the will of him that sent me. Not just, not just the flamboyance of my three years of ministry, but when I was 12 years of age, I obeyed my parents. Oh, it's real quiet in here. I submitted to my wife. I submitted to my husband. I loved my wife as Christ loved the church. I trained up my children in the way they should go. I worked when I should have worked. You want to grow up? You want to grow up? You want to get redeemed in the next five minutes? Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by His infinite mercy. God's child forever I am. I've been going 70 minutes now, and it's 8.50. So it's time for me to stop. I don't know if you got anything, but we'll pick up. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.